Good morning, LA. It is great to see everybody. I just want to start. I want to jump right in. I just want to start first by thanking Ron Quint for um, having me here speak. It's a privilege to be able to speak to you this morning. Um, I also have the privilege of having a relationship with Cesar and Jennifer Lopez. We've worked together for three years in the youth and for the Youth and Family Committee, and I cherish our friendship. We've had a lot of deep talks, a lot of uh, great times together, and I really cherish our, our friendship. But thank you, thank you for having up. Thank you for having me. Um, if you're wondering this morning what language I'm speaking. <laughs> It's Boston City accent, okay? So, if you miss some words, so does everybody else. Uh, this morning, I'm talking about generation to generation, and I'm going to be talking about being intentional about raising up the younger generation. What a great topic, isn't it? And so, I'm just going to jump in. My first point, are you ready to go? You know, the way you're ready to go is to loosen up, because when you loosen up, then you lighten up, and then when you lighten up, you listen up. So let's loosen up, lighten up, so we'll listen up. Amen? We're going to have a good time this morning. So generation to generation is actually my first point. In Luke chapter 6, in verse 12, it says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God, and when morning came, he called his disciples to him, and he chose 12 of them. Jesus chose 12, these 12, to specifically pass on his message, right, when he ascended to heaven. Isn't that the truth? Then after he ascends to heaven, watch what happens. A crowd of thousands appear at Pentecost. In Acts 2, verse 17, one of the 12 that he chose, then Peter stood up with the 11, with the other 11 that he chose, Raise his voice and address the crowd. Now let's turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 36 to 41. What Jesus passed on to Peter and the other apostles was the message of salvation. Wow. What a privilege it is to have that responsibility, isn't it? So Peter stood up. He raised his voice. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, for your children. And for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. The message of salvation was passed from Jesus to the apostles. And then 3,000 people became Christians. It was passed to those 3,000. And what did he say? He said, this promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off, that's us. This message of salvation is for us. For our children and for the whole world. Do I have an amen to that? What an exciting message we have to give to others. Are you inspired yet? I'm so inspired I could spit. Here we go. (laughs) But raising up the next generation, it's it's in the Old Testament. It's throughout the Bible. 
Psalm 78, verse 5 to 6, he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Listen to this. God commanded our forefathers, and he commands us not only to teach the next generation, but to teach the next generation with the ability to teach the next generation. Isn't that an exciting responsibility? Paul tells Timothy, Paul's writing to young Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You then, my, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Paul teaches Timothy to teach others who are reliable, to teach others who are reliable. Pass it on from generation to generation to generation. You get where I'm going here. Philip Yancey wrote, you can gauge the size of a ship that has passed out of sight by the huge wave it leaves behind. In 120 years from now, from all infants to centurions, There will not be one soul left on this earth that is presently living. There will be a whole new set of 10 billion people. We need to leave behind passionate men and women of God. Do I have an amen, LA? Let's do this, and we can do this together. That's my first point. You ready for my second point? My second point is the need for the older generation. Now hold it, new generation. Only daydream a little, because I'm coming to you next, okay? You can daydream, but only a little. The need for the older generation. The older generation, we need you. Acts 2, verse 17 to 18. The Bible says, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. We need our older men and our older women in this audience to dream dreams still. The younger generation needs the older generation. The younger generation needs the older generation. They need to see you keep going and keep growing. You know, uh, uh, an older man walked up to a preacher, actually, in, in, in one of the regions I'm in, after he preached on growing spiritually. He walked up to the preacher and he says, I am 77 years old and I want to grow. That has got to be our spirit. You know, I've got some stories. When you keep going and growing, you inspire the younger generation. This is for the empty nesters and the older singles. There's an older single woman, single woman, Terry Susie. She became a Christian in the 80s. She was actually in the same ministry I was in the 80s. Okay, I'm, I'm no spring chicken, you know. Um, she actually left the church for a while. By the way, what a powerful communion that was, wasn't it? Amen. Amen. Let's... So she left the church for a while. Around two years ago, she got back with Sue Shaw, uh, one of the, uh, the women uh, ministry leaders in, in the southern coastal region, and she said, I want to come back. 
She says, I'm a chiropractor. I see 130 patients a week, and I want to share with all of them. She actually got restored about a year and a half ago, and three weeks ago, one of her patients got baptized into Christ. Amen? You know, and I just want to share with the older generation, no matter where you are with God, if you're doing poorly, if you're stuck, or if you're left for a while, you can come back and dream dreams again. God has not stuck a fork in you and said you're done. He's not done with us yet. As long as we're still alive, we can do great things for God. You know, one of my better friends in life, Wyndham Shaw, he's an elder in the Boston church. I don't know if you know, but right now he's suffering from central nervous system disorder, where his muscles are weak, and, and he's losing strength in his muscle and muscles, and his condition is digressing. Gets tired easy, hard walking, he needs a cane or a scooter. Uh, when he got clarity on what was happening and knowing his condition is digressing, he went right to Europe to train the elders in Europe. Someone questioned him, what are you doing, Wyndham? You need to rest. He said, while I even have this much energy, I still want to give for my God, and I want to still raise up the elders. Three weeks ago, Wyndham did the main sermon at a marriage retreat. Young marrieds were looking on, inspired by his faith, through the hardest challenge in his life, yet still giving to the young marrieds. And a young Christian man, his wife just got diagnosed uh, with tumors on her spine. He had to come back from the mission field. And the uh, same place where he was, uh, she was going, the wife, to get uh, rehabilitated, was where Wyndham was going. And, and Wyndham is there, and he, says, he's, he said to the whole staff, he says, everybody knows Wyndham. Wyndham has shared his faith with everybody. Here I am going through a hard time because of what my wife's going through. Wyndham Shar is inspiring me because of his faith, even through hard challenges. You know, I don't want you to get me wrong. He says he has sad times, and it's hard. But his kind of faith is inspiring. It's inspiring to the Boston staff, to the Boston church, and the young disciples. Longevity and example inspires the younger generation. Older generation, you have inspiring years ahead of yourselves. Do I have an amen to that? You have some of the most inspiring years ahead of yourselves. You know, the Estafians, they're empty nesters, and they moved from Worcester, Mass., to Istanbul, Turkey, because they needed older leadership in that church. Is that a great example? Choose your next ambition for Jesus and go. Or keep going strong on the one you're doing and keep growing. Psalm 71 verse 18. Even when I am old and gray, even some white maybe, do not forsake me. O God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all to come. Older generation, keep going and growing. Amen. Now let me talk a little bit about parents with children. Parents, are you ready? Wow, what a journey we're on as parents, aren't we? (laughs) Woo! It's not not for the week, that's for sure. (laughs) You know, as we talked about in Acts 2.36 to 41, 
The promised salvation is for you and your children and for all who are far off. How can we best attempt to give faith to our children? I got some principles. Are you ready? Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. I'll only read verse 42 and I'll talk about the rest. Is that these people that were called to pass it on to their children, listen to their example. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And when they were together, listen to the spirit. They were filled with awe. They, they, they met together every day. They broke bread in their homes. They were glad. They were sincere. They were happy. They were praising God. They were enjoying each other. Man, that would be powerful if that was our households. Wouldn't it? The devotions of the Christians, the spirit of the Christians, the investment these Christians had in God and his church. And I want to talk to the parents about investing. Investment is a devoting, using or giving of time, talent, emotional energy as for a purpose to achieve something. Parents, I want to start with invest in your walk with God. Invest in your prayer and your Bible study. Why invest in prayer? Because raising children requires skills only God possesses. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, you're with me on that one. Invest in Bible study because you get faith, you get wisdom, and your example can be powerful to your children. I asked disciples, I asked a circle of disciples, they were uh, in their later 20s, and uh, they all had Christian parents. I asked them, what, what most inspired you about your parents that helped you uh, still have strong faith today? One, Megan Lyaby spoke up and said, Phil, my father, every morning, I'm telling you, he didn't miss a morning. He was, when I get up for school, he's sitting in front of the fireplace reading his Bible every single morning. It inspired me, and it's one reason why I am strong today. Isn't that, isn't that great? Invest, invest in your walk with God. Invest in spiritual education. Over the loudspeaker at a department store, the man announced, we have a lost kid. He said, check that, we have a lost parent. It's not easy to parent. We always don't know what to say and do, do we? You know, I've read so many books on parenting for my own parenting that gave me incredible guidance. (laughs) My son was 10 years old. And yes, it was time to have a talk about sex. Ah! You know, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything, but it doesn't say you know everything, you know. <laughs> I, I go, wow, it's time to have talk about sex with my 10-year-old son. Okay, how do I do this? I read a couple of great books, a great spiritual books, and I got some great advice from older disciples. And so, you know, not quite knowing what to do, We've got to do something, right? We do not want the world. We do not want the media. We do not want our kids' peers to share with kids about sex and what's right before God. Do we have an amen to that? So I had this talk. So where do I have it? I go, well, it better be a bit intimidating so my son won't be intimidated. So I had it on a way to a Red Sox game. I did. It was about a 45-minute drive. It says, don't have too long of a talk. 
So I can't get into all the specifics because you wouldn't want me to. <laughs> but I did tell him that, that sex was created by God. It's a great part of life when you wait until you're married to have sex. Do not listen to the word, world, but listen to God. Listen to his word. word. We talked specifically about some things for about five or ten minutes. I mean, we talked specifically because I am going to be the educator of my son on what God believes about purity. Do I have an amen to that? So I had this talk, and it said in the book, it told me I was being guided. It said, talk for about five or ten minutes, and then, you know, you can be done. You can have a talk later. So I said, Scott, okay, man, we've had a great talk, and it seems that you were, you know, engaged. You didn't say much. I go, so now we can... We can be done, and we can talk about more later, or we can keep going. It's up to you. It's your call. He goes, Dad, I want to hear more. I go, no. <laughs> I, I go, man, you're crazy, buddy. You're a crazy man. He wanted to hear more, so I had to keep going. Okay, here we go. Man, I, I thought it was safe. We can talk about baseball. <laughs> no, it wasn't safe anymore. And seriously, though, Dad's, you need to have those talks with your sons. Yeah. Moms, you need to have those talks with your daughters. You set the education, the spiritual education for your family. Don't let the world do it. Do I have an amen from L.A.? Yeah. You know, Ephesians 6, amen. <laughs> Ephesians 6, it says, Fathers, bring your children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. We are mandated by God to bring up our kids by the training and the instruction of God. Amen. You with me? How are you doing? Do you need a water break or you want to keep going? No, I don't want that chaos that happened at the offering. No way, no. Can't do that. You know, the no-brainer, you know, the first one is invest in your walk with God. Invest in spiritual education. It will help you. I've got a list of 10 books. If you want to send it, send me an email. I'll send you that list. Invest in your children. Spend consistent time with your children, personal time, family time, in special trips. If you do not, reorganize today to do it. Listen to this. Compassion and time spent with your kids gives authority a proper place to spiritually influence your children. You've got to invest in your children. And lastly, for the parents is invest in the church. Oh, man, are you ready? Put on your seatbelts for this one. You know, I did a study that I don't believe it's profound, but it's significant. It's a small sample study. But first I want to explain what I mean by investment. Investment in the church I'm defining as you are devoted to the church as a giver, in attendance, and an attitude. That you use your talents to help build up the church, whether it's singing, family group leader, work with the poor, encouraging others. That's what I'm talking about investment. I did this study, and it was quite eye-opening. Of the 24 teenagers, of 24 teenagers that graduated high school who had Christian parents, and these 24 are yet to be disciples. 19 of these families, at least one of both parents, were not invested in the church. 19 out of the 24. In most of these cases, mentors were pulled in. Teen leaders, other mentors from the church, they still didn't become disciples. 
Because family discipleship is critical. Do I have an amen to that? All studies show that parents have three to four more times the influence than the church does. You know, a family in Boston gave me permission to share this story. The family told a leader, we are putting sports before church. That's what they said. They isolated their daughter from church, which gave Satan all access. Do I have an amen to that? You know what? The funny thing is the oldest daughter did get a sports scholarship, but she's not a Christian. And her parents came to me heartbroken and said, my heart breaks over the decision we made. They moved to another, they moved to the region that I was in. They said, we want to repent now. Because we are heartbroken that our oldest daughter is not a Christian and they have two younger kids. They moved to another region. They said, God is first now and we're invested in the church and so on our kids. I studied with this son. He's strong athletically, academically. And he said, he, uh, he said to me, Phil, God is first. No Sunday morning games for me. I will miss the Sunday morning games. This is their son. I'm invested in the church. He became a Christian seven months ago, and today he's a solid disciple. He told his football coach, I'm not playing football because I just became a disciple, and it takes me away too much. I'm only going to play one sport for the school, but God will be first in my life. He brings his friends to church. He's invested in other Christian team relationships. He has been in on a study where he helps someone become a Christian. They also have a younger daughter who comes to everything. We are praying for their oldest daughter. Invest in the church now and stay invested. Do not learn from tough mistakes. Do I have an amen to that? And let me tell you right now, when you can turn the parents, you can turn a whole family. And it's never too late to turn. One writer said, I shudder to think where our babes would be without the church. Let's invest in the church. So on the other half of the study, there are 34 teenagers that graduated high school as disciples. 28 of the 34 of those parents were invested in the church. And some of the other parents weren't invested because we, we converted teenagers from the world. So obviously they weren't invested. You know, it's very important that you invest in your church in the church, and have your kids serve alongside with you. You know, coming up this Friday, we have our Hoops for Hope charity event where 48 crazy people, men and women, play basketball for 24 hours. We play basketball for 24 hours to raise money for the Scenic Hospital and Hope Worldwide. We're a bunch of sick men and women who just like to do things. So far in the eight years, we have raised over $350,000. My son and daughter, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. My son and daughter have done it along with me for most of the eight years. My daughter keeps score for the 24 hours. My son raises money, plays 24 hours, and I also raise money and play for 24 hours. It's a bonding experience For the family as we do God's work. With our family, let's do God's work together. Listen to this. Listen to this from the book, uh, A Youth Ministry That Transforms. 
It says, research shows that parents who simply will talk about their faith in the home and involve their children serving alongside them can double and sometimes triple their chances of living out their faith as adults. Let's go serve along with our kids. Do I have an amen to that? All right. How are we all doing? We doing good? You know, Renee beautifully spoke up in, in the welcome and talked about, uh, Renee Quint, about moments of hope. I do. I want to give you, I want to give all hope to parents whose older adult children aren't Christians yet. We are behind you and we are for you. And, and I'm not, and you're probably even a better parent than me. That free, that, that you have your own free moral, uh, uh, you have your own free choice. Our kids have our own free choice. And sometimes it hasn't worked out yet. Sometimes it hasn't worked out yet. I want to give you a story of hope. Richard Brown was raised by a single mom who was invested in church. She's, a, she's been invested in church for 35 years. And her son was uninterested in the teen ministry. Didn't come to much. Uninterested in the campus ministry. Didn't come to much. The mom stayed invested. Had a phenomenal attitude. Phenomenal heart. Gave to the church. Uh, uh, used her talents for the church. At 30 years old, 30 years old, Richard Brown became a Christian and is now your brother. At 30 years old. And that was about seven years ago, and today he's solid as a rock as a Christian. All parents, please stay hopeful. Stay the course. Romans 5, 5, and hope does not uh, put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, he has given to us. Parents, invest in your walk with God, invest in spiritual education, invest in your children, and invest in the church. It'll be the greatest sermon that your kids will ever see. Amen. Let's go and make that happen. Amen? Amen. All right. Last point. Are you ready? Yeah. Younger generation. It's time to wake up. Brothers awaken. It's time to wake up. This one's for you. The need for the younger generation. You know, younger generation, we need you. We love you. And flat out, we believe in you. We believe in every single young man and young woman in this audience. Amen. You are not just leaders of tomorrow. You are leaders of today. You are leading your generation. Because let me tell you, your generation is stinking lost, man. It is lost. The message of Jesus has been passed on to you to live it and give it. Live for Jesus, younger generation. This is the young marrieds, college, high schoolers. Live for Jesus. Acts 4, verse 12. Talking about a message passed on to us. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. I do want to talk about to the younger generation. Some here are yet to be Christians. Yet you are mature enough 
and you know enough to become a Christian. You know, at teen camp last summer, we titled it The Kingdom. I told the 9th to 12th graders with Christian parents, you are not kingdom kids. You're not kingdom kids. You are either in the kingdom or you're not in the kingdom. John 3, 3 replied, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. You're invited to enter the kingdom, but you're not entitled to it. You must repent and be baptized to enter. You know, some in high school and college, because I've been working with them for 30 years, say, oh, I will go through high school or college and, and not be a Christian and maybe later. You may not have later. The Bible promises nobody tomorrow. At least five kids in high school died from a hit on a football field. We're not promised tomorrow. I plead with you, if you're mature enough and you know enough, get into the kingdom of God. You know, Jarrett Martin, he's a sophomore at Catholic Memorial, where he plays basketball for one of the top basketball teams in the state. After camp, he texted me. This was about eight months ago. This was on the way back from camp. He said, Phil, I'm real excited about coming home. This is a, he's a sophomore in high school. I'm real excited about coming home from teen camp and put what I've learned into practice. I would love to study the Bible every day. I do not want to be an enemy of God any longer. I want to get baptized as soon as possible. He was baptized three weeks later, and today he is a strong disciple for Jesus. You know, you might get inspired by this sermon or get inspired by other sermons or by other things, but it's shallow unless it leads to action. You have one life to live. Do not live it for the world. Live it for Jesus. You will have no regret. Live it and give it. You doing well? Here we go. Live it and give it. Proverbs 20, verse 29. It says, The glory of young men and women is their strength. Use your great youthful strength to help build up God's church. Is it amazing to see part singers who were teenagers? Is it amazing when the teenagers help in the whole organization of the church and they're out there serving in a big way? Younger generation, you are inspiring to the older generation. You know, a 16-year-old girl, Allie Chalmers, an older woman from the church put on this uh, 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 fundraiser for a food pantry. And they invited people all over the community. A hundred older women came. And so they had Allie Chalmers, a 16-year-old. They wanted her to share. She got up in front of all the hundred older women. The older generation started sharing that. You know what I want to do? I want to leave a legacy of love behind. I went to Ghana with my sister, and I helped this all-girls school with school supplies because they didn't have the money to raise it. 
Uh, I also like to go to my school and help people who are lonely and hurting, and I like to bring them to a loving church. I mean, every woman in the audience was crying. They saw this 16-year-old inspiring girl looking at the younger generation. Wow, we have hope with the younger generation. After she spoke, all 100 women gave her a standing ovation because of her love for God and because of her testimony. Young men and women, you have a lot to give to a lot of people. Do I have an amen to that? We've had three teen-led conferences where teenagers lead everything. What we do, and it's Boston, New York, New Jersey, and all of New England. We have 40 teenagers from ages 16 to 18 put together the whole program. They came up with the title, Created Me. They led the whole conference. They taught the classes, preached the sermons, led the worship. They did all the performing. On Sunday morning, at the closing of their of the closing of the conference, there were 800 people in attendance, 600 teenagers. They brought their friends from the surrounding schools. Teens did the whole worship. I'm telling you, it was powerful and it was dynamic. It was like, wow, I feel like I was being given to. I was being served. The singing was excellent. They had 10-part singers. They did the communion service, they did spoken word, and two teenagers split the conference, um, split the sermon. One parent approached me at the end of the conference and said, I was looking around and all the parents were in tears. To finish the worship service, they sang Men Who Dream. You know who sang it? J.D. Brown. You know who J.D. Brown is? That's Teresa Brown's son. Teresa Brown performed that song back in the 80s and helped write that song. Talking about passing down faith, men who dreamed. Young teens, college students, we believe in you. We believe you're going to do great things for God. Amen? Last part with the teenagers is give your talents to the church and give faith to your friends. Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. And this is for the older generation too. I'm just going to use younger stories. Jesus, talking to his apostles, saying, this is what I want every Christian to do. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, all disciples, we must go and make disciples. This is what Jesus passed down to his disciples before he went to heaven, and he told his disciples to pass it on to us. You know, in Boston, we have a spiritual game day for our teen men disciples. We call it spiritual game day. It's from Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. What do these young teen men do? What do they do? Well, we have 10-minute short devotionals with a campus minister, teen staff, and a teacher. After each 10-minute devotional, we have a Bible competition or a sports competition. We eat lunch and we eat dinner together. And the highlight of the day is we go out for over two hours and we share our faith together. 
The last time at our spiritual game day, we invited over 150 people going out and just trying to give the message to other people. These teenagers are not kingdom kids. They are disciples of Jesus. Do I have an amen to that? I would like to eradicate that term, kingdom kid. They are not immature. They are very mature men taking very bold stands for Jesus. And I think it's amazing. I believe we have an amazing younger generation. And we are in good hands. Keep sharing. And don't get discouraged. I've worked with teenagers for so long. Some of them have invited their whole high schools. And no one's becoming Christians. Some of them have invited a lot of people and they don't respond. And others have invited and others have responded. Here's what I just say. Don't get discouraged. Keep sharing. There was a teacher in Boston. What a great insight he had. He did a great lesson on initiating with the lost. He said that every time we share our faith, we are 100% successful, regardless of the response of other people. We are 100% successful because we water and we plant and it's up to God whether it grows or not. Do I have an amen to that? So let's keep sharing because we're 100% successful every time. People in your schools can become Christians. David Martin shared his faith with a number of people at Newton North High School. Stanley Alves was the star soccer player. He came to church, he studied the Bible, and as a junior in high school, because David shared his faith with him, he became a Christian. And today he's a sophomore in college doing great spiritually because a teenager decided that he would share his faith with one of his classmates. Here are more stories of the younger generation who have Christian parents. Colin Obani went to a religious high school in Lexington, Mass., He shared his faith with Max, and Max did not become a Christian in high school because his parents said no. Max went to Boston University, and Colin went to Northeastern. Colin stayed up with Max, and in college, Max Secor became a Christian. He just didn't become a Christian. Oh, this guy's crazy. Max's a little nutty. They, They kind of compare him to me, so I think he's nuttier than I am. Um... But let me, I'll get to Max in a second. Colin not only shared his faith with Max, but four of his Northeastern college mates became Christians also that he shared with. But Max said, even in a religious high school, Colin stood out. He stood out as someone who was really committed to God out of the whole high school. Max is now in Kiev as a missionary with a Ukrainian girlfriend. What's up with that? Come on. <laughs> Emma Fridley has Christian parents. These aren't kingdom kids. These are disciples of Jesus. Do I have an amen? Have I convinced you of that yet? Emma Fridley, who has Christian parents, is at Northeastern High School University right now. She has baptized three of her friends, and one of them is her roommate. They had Christian parents. These are disciples of Jesus. In the last five years, around 20 young men and women from Boston who have Christian parents are now on staff in other churches as missionaries are in the the Boston church. In the last five years, 20 
Many more not in the ministry doing great things for God, including John Sullivan. He took a uh, challenge to invite over 1,000 people in the campus ministry in one semester. It might have been in a week or two weeks. I don't know the time. But he invited 1,000 people. John says, you know, he doesn't want to be in the ministry because he wants to do great things for God with a career. Right now he has an internship with Apple Computer, and he says, I want to be in the world, and I want to do great things for God. I'm not going to be of the world. I'm going to be in the world doing great things for God. Amen? Amen. These young men and these young women are disciples of Jesus. Can we give it up for the younger generation as they continue to take bold stands for Jesus? And I'll end here. Younger generation, college students, teenagers, I believe you're going to do mighty things for God. And and God's going to accomplish great things through you. I believe your generation is going to do greater things than our generation. And I'll just conclude with this. For the older and the younger, make no mistake about it, your lives matter today. The way we pass on faith from generation to generation is the older generation, you keep going and growing, and the younger generation, you live it and give it. Thank you, L.A.